Good morning. You're tuning in to Mornings with Mubaraka, where we look at national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. This is Mubaraka Ibrahim, and welcome to the conversation. You can join the conversation on Twitter or on uh, Facebook by using the hashtag MWM Radio, be a voice. Here at Mornings with Mubaraka, I really try to talk about issues that I think um, and topics that I think would be of interest that does not get a lot of uh, conversation and that can bring a little bit of diversity diversity to the media that we listen to on a daily basis. So my topic today is the history and the impact of the Nation of Islam on America and on Islam in America. Um, As a black American Muslim, um, often we are all associated with the nation of Islam because it had it has had such a large impact on Islam in America. I personally did not grow up in a nation um, of Islam. So this is actually going to be an educational experience for me. And I am excited because I love learning and I love learning history and I love learning how everything impacts on one another and how we as a community and as a nation grow through this diversity. So recently I attended a black uh, Muslim psychology conference uh, in Philadelphia and I had the honor and privilege to have our guest as one of the guest speakers there, Brother Carlos Muhammad. And I absolutely had to get him to commit to a show before I even left the conference. So thank you. And thank you for joining me, Brother Carlos. Thank you, sister. And assalamu alaikum to you. And um, I'm very, very honored that you would invite me and, and just as humbled and honored to now be at this point to be on your mighty and wonderful show. And may Allah continue to bless your show and bless you and your family. Alhamdulillah. So um, let me tell you a little bit, a quick little bit about Brother Carlos, because I really want to get into the interview. So Minister Carlos Muhammad has served as the Baltimore representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and Muhammad Moss number six for the past 23 years. He also serves as the National Historian historian and archivist for the Nation of Islam. So you can understand why he is the man to talk to when you want to learn about the history of the nation and its impact on America. So, Brother Carlos, I want to take this kind of like as a journey, and I want to start from the beginning. I want So can you talk to us a little bit about what kind of America and black America was like and was going through when the Nation of Islam was birthed um, by um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad? Yes. Um, at the time, of course, um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teacher, uh, Father Muhammad, um, he came here um, on the day of the independence of the United States of America, the 4th of July. Um, In 1930, if we understand history, you know, America was in a Great Depression, what they actually titled the Great Depression. So if we can understand that the country um, of rich, powerful um, elitists were in a depression, 
uh, you can imagine already the condition that the black people or uh, commonly called African-Americans were in at that time. Um, if America was in the Depression, we were, we were on the brink or the borderline of just being literally in the grave. So this set the stage uh, for uh, Father Muhammad to come um, and begin his work. And so as a result, uh, from 1930 uh, to 1931, he began his work in Detroit, Michigan, in the what they call Black Bottom uh, Detroit, or the mainly uh, impoverished section for Black people in Detroit, Michigan. Quite ironically, the Blacks called it Black Bottom, whites called it Black Bottom, but the section of town was actually called Paradise Valley hmm. um, in the Brewster section of Detroit. Uh, Michigan. And these are where your projects were. These were, of course, was the um, Hastings Street section was the, um, I guess, the equivalent of 125th Street in Harlem or Pennsylvania Avenue in Baltimore, where you had these historical uh, black sections where all the entertainers, the black entertainers would come and it would become the cultural center of what goes on uh, in that community. And so this was the backdrop uh, under which the Nation of Islam actually began. Um, I'll close with this note. So one year later, um, Father Muhammad meets uh, Elijah Poole, uh, who was living in Detroit at the time with his family, his, his wife, uh, Clara uh, Poole. Um, she was actually the first one to actually go to the temple. And here, uh, Mr. Father, and as a result of hearing him, she knew that that was something that her husband, who was kind of down on himself because of the depression, that he felt that he couldn't take care of his family. And in that, um, he went, and that was after they first met. He never missed another meeting until he was made a minister and had to begin uh, traveling. So that's sort of some of the backdrop. And lastly, do understand that even before they met in September of 1931, in fact, September 22nd, 1931 was the day uh, Master Father Muhammad and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad met, um, that that teaching had already reached 25,000 people to whom um, Master Father Muhammad gave these Muslim names to, Muhammad, Kareem, Ali, uh, Jabbar, Shah, uh, many, many Hazid, Aziz, um, these names, 25,000 of them what sets the backdrop today where there are many uh, Muhammads and Kareems and Ali's who wear these names, but these names were um, pioneered into the American culture uh, way back in 1930. So I know that that's a lot. And I, so, I, I no, I, so, and I, no, that's but, good. So, so um, let me, <laughs> let me ask you two things. One, um, yeah. so, Bard Muhammad, did he, when he came, did he start a mosque? Was hit is, or was he? Where was he teaching? So where did he start his teachings at? That that was that's mm -hmm. one question. And the second question is, yeah. tell me a little bit about why during the 1930s do you think that what message he was bringing that was so different than what what else was here, and what attracted so many people to his teaching, including. Elijah Muhammad, what attracted him to it? So those yeah. two things. Well, what he established, he did not call it mosque at the time um, because he understood that he would have to put 
our people on an evolutionary journey. So he gave it a name that could be identifiable by uh, black people uh, and would not shy away because, of course, we didn't know what a mosque was. Mosque is Arabic um, for place of worship or house of worship or or masjid. Um, So he didn't choose to call it that. So he called it temple, uh, something that easily we could kind of come to. But inside that temple, he began the evolutionary development of giving us, number one, I just mentioned these names, but then also introducing us to Islam. And as it was with the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and prayers be upon him, the Prophet had to begin his journey addressing the condition of his people. And so the uh, beginning stages of what becomes uh, the uh, perfection of Islam started out on an evolutionary track to address condition. And so, as you know, uh, for many, many years, the Prophet, peace be on him, just taught basic things. But it wasn't until Medina that it began to take shape and form. And uh, Master Fahd Muhammad, being knowledgeable of this history of the Holy Prophet, he walks in those same steps by addressing the deplorable condition that we were in. So his methodology uh, that he used to introduce us to Islam, many would say, oh, that's not the real Islam. That's not true. That's not how you do that. Well, he understood that you don't give babies steak. You have to give them milk. And that as that baby grows, then you can give the baby a little harder food or uh, or cooked meals, as uh, he would would call it. Um, the second point of your question is what attracted us? But what attracted us was the fact that he went door to door, kind of like a salesman. And when we would invite him into our homes, he would begin to tell us how we come from a glorious history and a glorious background because, of course, our condition coming out of slavery and now we were in heavy Jim Crow and, of course, the depression, um, most of us had gotten to the point where we didn't love ourselves, we didn't look at ourselves kindly, and we were being mistreated uh, worse than ever, even really in some cases worse than slavery because we were at the height of the lynching era uh, at that time. So um, Master Fahd Muhammad understood this, so he would begin to tell us about our glorious history and how we built the pyramids and how we did this, and we were people that came from royal uh, bloodlines and things like this. So this so, is attractive to our mind. What fascinates um, me this, most about uh, about it is that um, Fard Muhammad was not African American. He was not black. He was Turkish, I believe. Was well, with with yes, we're we're looking into that region. It's clear that he was somewhere around Persia, um, in that what is called Iran now. Okay. But it's very clear that he spent a lot of time from a very young age uh, in the holy city of Mecca. But go ahead. Okay. Okay. No. So that that is what I think that that is what intrigues me is that it wasn't like, you know, he was. Um, african-american and he just wanted to save his people he wanted to save a people that he knew were better than what they perceived themselves as is, yes. is that and, a right assertion right. yes that's the right assertion and as we discover and continue to dig we see that it's clear that he understood that the mission of prophet muhammad peace and prayers be upon him was to extend beyond even the eastern portion of the world as we watched 
Islamic spin from Arabia into the 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 the, the known world, and eventually through the Ottomans in that Ottoman Empire, the um, the Islamic Empire became the biggest empire at that time. So he understood something about extending to a place to basically bring justice to a people who had uh, been under an unjust system. And it's quite ironic because in 1973, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in his what was called Savior's Day, his major address, makes this statement. He said that Master Fahd Muhammad said to him, had we been here during the time of Muhammad, peace be upon him, he would have came and gotten us himself. This is how important you are. So it's clear that this whole issue of taking the message of Islam to save a people who are in a what we would call a hellish condition was the platform for which uh, Master Father Muhammad came. And most importantly, dear sister, and to those that are listening, was to give to this people the Holy Quran. And that is a very significant thing that the only picture we have of him, he's reading the Quran. Mm. And in 1932, he gives the Honorable Elijah Muhammad an all Arabic Quran. And of course, Elijah Muhammad at the time, he was Kareem, Elijah Kareem. He, he said, I, I can't read that. I don't, I don't know Arabic. And of course, his teacher knew that. But he was kind of going over the steps of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when the angel Jabril, alayhi salam, or peace be on him, um, gave the commandment to the Prophet to, to read. And he gave that command three times. And, and so he says, okay, well, one day you'll be able to read this in Arabic, but I'll give you an English translation. And he gave him the only English translation Quran that was available at the time was from Muhammad, uh, uh, Malana Muhammad Ali. Uh, Yusuf Ali translation came in 1934. So he read both of them. He actually used both translations, but the earlier one was the only one that he could give him. That is significant because unlike today, dear sister, we could go to the Muslim bookstore or order on Amazon and get a Holy Quran, you know. Um, but in those days, you already know to, to get a Holy Quran, it was scarce. Mm. So the fact that he would give that to his student and then later on his student would say, out of everything that my teacher gave me to read, the Holy Quran was in fact the best. And he went on further, Elijah Muhammad went on further to say that the Quran, the Holy Quran is the greatest book there is. It is a very unique book. And all the years that Minister Farrakhan, Malcolm X, W.B. Muhammad, and all of the believers, and we have the pictures to support this, he only carried one book, and it was the Holy Quran. Every, anytime you saw a book in his hand, it was actually the Quran. And so just going back, that was the, what we see now was the intention of Master Fahd Muhammad was to come and bring the Quran uh, to a people who he knew that message of the Quran through Muhammad, peace be upon him, would be the saving reality for us in our condition, as it was for the Arabs 1,400 years ago. So you mentioned that uh, that Elijah Muhammad was not the first or the only follower of, of Fard Muhammad. What was it about Elijah Poole at the time that made him the one to take the banner and well, lead the, the movement, I would say? 
Yes, yes. Well, it was this, because in the Nation of Islam, and we still do this today, um, just as a, as a methodology point, um, at the end of the lectures that Father Muhammad would give, as we do today, he would ask, how many of you believe what you heard today to be true? And how many of you would uh, basically like to accept your own? He, would, he, would, he wouldn't say accept Islam. He would say, accept your own, which he would later say, your own is Islam and your own kind is Muslims, talking about the broader world of Muslims that were out there. And so he would have those people that were willing to join come down and shake his hand. And when Elijah Poole went down to shake his hand, he went there with a dime in his pocket, 10 cents. And when it came time for charity, he would recount he gave his last dime, which most would say, well, that's, that's, that ain't much. Well, we could say that today, but in the Depression of 1931, for that man to give his last dime might have meant that they might not eat. And so he gave his last dime based upon healing, and then when he went to shake the master's hand, they had a little exchange. And Elijah Muhammad is reporting to us that he said to him, upon looking at him, because he comes from, Elijah, who had come from a biblical background, so he was kind of looking at his teacher from a biblical prophecy. And he, and he saw what the man was doing and saying and uh, saying to the people, and he said, I know you. And he said that his teacher said, uh, you know me. But then Elijah Muhammad asked him, well, who are you? And the master teacher says, I'm that one that is prophesied to come. And, and Elijah Muhammad said, I recognize you. He said, yeah, but who knows that other than yourself? So he really wanted him to, don't, don't get into that yet. You just be quiet. And that exchange is what made him that student. But I will say for the listeners, so that we don't spookify the situation, as Elijah Poole became his student. He named him Kareem first. He said to him one day, he said, you know, Elijah, why don't you go on and study hard and get the big name for yourself? Because if you don't, somebody else will. Meaning he wanted him to be his student, the top student. But he wanted him to understand that if you don't take this responsibility to continue to teach your people, because he knew that eventually he was going to leave. Father Mama knew he was going to leave it. But he was looking for someone to leave the message with to con continue on. And as a result, the history shows us that Elijah Muhammad actually accepted that weight uh, to do. So that was what that initial relationship was about and what came out of that was a man that um, looked to his teacher and began to be a student and a top student of his teacher. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM on your radio dial and streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. This is Mornings with Mubaraka, and I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and today we are talking to Minister Carlos Muhammad about the history of the Nation of Islam in America and um, its impact in America. So let's fast forward a little bit to the... So now Elijah Muhammad, he's he so he was born Elijah Poole. He was first named Elijah Kareem. And and now he's Elijah Muhammad. And he is the head of what 
has become a movement. Um, so let's fast forward to the 60s and 70s. This was a time yeah. of uh, civil rights. It was a time of, um, I think, a, a big transition in the nation. Most people are most familiar with this time through Malcolm X. Most people. Right? Yeah. So people just, they just yeah. associate everything about the nation of Islam. Oh, Malcolm X, right? And if mm-hmm. you've seen, yeah. uh, you it, there's a book. If you haven't read the book, you have to read the biography. There is also a movie by Spike Lee. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. Um, it's not mm-hmm. 100% true to the biography but it's close (laughs) um but one of the one of the things about that one of the scenes in the movie that stand out to me that intrigued me was there's a scene and have you you've seen the movie right i'm assuming you see have you seen the malcolm x movie yeah okay so there's a scene where um uh, Malcolm X is prophetizing on the platform and it shows yeah. like three or four different people doing the same thing. One calling to Christianity. I think one yeah. was calling to black nationalism. Malcolm X was calling mm-hmm. to the nation. And, you know, he goes up to this woman and he hands her a, a pamphlet directly in her hand. And um Tell me a little bit about that time of the 60s and 70s and what was it about the nation that made it um, so different and so attractive? We know that people are what stands out for most people's mind in the nation is its discipline, is it's uh, being able to t- um, encourage black people to self uh, self-determination. Um, so what was mm-hmm. it about the teachings that drew people and made that and for, you know, for a person who had who don't who does not know a lot about the nation, did yeah. not grow up in a nation, nor my parents, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm talking from an outsider's point of view. But for, and so sure. from that point of view, it seems like when you when I think about um, kind of like the 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 pinnacle of the nation of when it was its greatest seems to be kind of like in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you tell me if I if 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 that's correct or no or tell me about that period. No, 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 no. It, it is that that's what we would call for the Muslims that know and understand that late early sixties through the seventies is. I'm sorry. We are having a little bit of technical difficulty. We are, uh, we lost Brother Carlos, but we are going to get him back in one minute. So we are, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. And we are having a conversation with Minister Carlos Muhammad, who is the Nation of Islam historian and archivist for the Nation of Islam. And he is also the minister to Muhammad Mosque number six, located in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and he has been for the past 23 years. We've had a little bit of technical difficulty where we have lost Brother Carlos, but we are going to get him back in two minutes. Um, and we'll return. You're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka on WNHHLP 103.5. We're back and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM 
on your radio dial and streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. And this is Mornings with Mubaraka, and we are talking to national uh, historian and archivist for the Nation of Islam, Brother Carlos Muhammad, who's also the minister of Muhammad Moss Number 6 in Baltimore, Maryland, and representative of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. Um, we we lost him, but we got him back. So where we were <laughs> yes. in our conversation was, tell us a little bit about the period of the 60s and the 70s um, in the nation and in America. And, and, how, and how was that impact? How did that impact America? Got you. And as, as before we got cut off, what I was saying was by the, night, the late 50s, uh, early 60s into the 70s, uh, for the Muslims that understand Islamic history, we had entered into our Medina period, uh, where Islam had become tangible. Um, it was during the time of the Prophet, peace be on him, when they migrated to Medina, that mosque was established, um, school was established, and um, trade and commerce and friendship with non-Muslims that began to grow, and also allies that became Muslims. This was what you were really seeing in America taking place and taking shape, though the seeds were planted in the 30s. And, and I just want to go back for a minute because it's very important to understand historical context and how it relates to us today. In the 1930s, in 1934, the first issue we had with law enforcement in America was the followers being threatened and punished for taking their children out of public schools to establish independent Islamic school under what was called University of Islam, which eventually became Mother uh, or Sister Clara Muhammad schools. So that's very significant there, Sister, because any Muslim group, black or, or immigrant, it does not matter. Those Muslims went to jail in the 30s under Elijah Muhammad to establish free Islamic independent schools. So anyone that has one today, you're benefiting from believers that were not afraid to lift up the name of Allah and to lift up that Quran to pay that price. Secondly, in 1942, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad went to prison. And from 42 to 46, he was in prison. He came home. He picked up the mantle of his work and he continued, but he converted a lot of followers while he was in prison. And as he was coming out, Malcolm Little was going in. And a few years later, Malcolm Little became Malcolm X as a result of corresponding with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad from his prison cell. So the point is, is that Islam is in the prison systems in America as a result of Elijah Muhammad and those early brothers that went to jail. And brothers like Malcolm Little, who became Muslims in jail, set the stage for anybody that was incarcerated uh, or on the street that was living a lifestyle that, 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 that was other than themselves. This became the transformation of why people began to look at the nation of Islam in the 60s and 70s to say, man, I knew that brother or sister on the street that used to shoot dope get high, was a drunkard, that sister that was prostituting herself, or just not being able to live a clean and decent life. But through the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and that use of that Quran, we watched the whole nation of black people rise up 
from the 30s through the 40s and the 50s into the 60s and 70s and even begin to evolve into the greater, uh, wider world of Islam through his son, Imam W.D. Muhammad. So, so, did, so let me... Let me on, yeah, go be, ahead. So did Elijah Muhammad go to prison for the school, for establishing the schools? Yes, that was the first time he was arrested. That was in the 30s. But then he eventually went to prison during the height of World War II because Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the president at that time, gave an executive order from the White House to get Elijah Muhammad off the street because they felt that his message was dangerous because we did not believe in fighting in unjust wars that did not concern us or taking innocent lives as we're commanded in the Holy Quran, to take one man's life as if you killed the whole of humanity. So that is the basis. Now, keep in mind, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was actually too old for the draft, but the excuse was given that he and others that thought like him needed to be taken uh, off the street. So that is now, what was he this, eventually... Was this before or at, this was before um, Muhammad Ali was drafted yes. and refused to go. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And keep in mind, Malcolm X also had that run-in uh, during the Korean crisis. Minister Farrakhan also had that issue of being asked to um, to sign up for the draft, uh, which was a thing at that time. It wasn't just during the time of war. Everybody had to sign up for what they call selective service, even to this day. But they had to file as conscientious objectives. And of course, um, going into the 60s, that's why Muhammad Ali could take such a stand, because we had already established that among the followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But most significant, Muhammad Ali's stance becomes the bigger point because he eventually won. And when he won that as a Muslim, he won it for every citizen in America, whether they claim Islam or not. He won that for everybody. That if we feel that we do not want to fight in an unjust war, Muhammad Ali's case, yes, as Muslims, number one, but as a conscientious objector, um, he won that uh, for everybody. But I, I do want to drop one significant thing about that period that you're asking about in the 60s and 70s. It would it had become clear in the 60s that the Nation of Islam was becoming a very powerful, powerful movement um, among the people. And at that, at that time, when you saw schools coming up, when you saw the Muslim businesses coming up, and you saw these clean establishments as well as clean, dignified followers, it became an attraction point. And so the Honorable Elijah Muhammad began to push the nation and thrust the nation towards economic development with the purchase of farmland and with the purchase of tractor-trailer trucks and airplanes to do business. We had entered into trade agreements with China and Japan and other parts of the world. This, this is what became an attraction to many, as well as the growth and the development of the University of Islam. In New York City alone, uh, my teacher, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who was a minister there, at one point in that development, they had thousands of students on trying to get in. They had already developed a school that had over 1,300 students. But there were thousands in New York trying to get into that school, and this was like this across the country. So this was showing you the impact and the attraction of the clean, dignified way that Islam 
is bright and attractive. And that's really what we're up against today, Sister Mubarakah. They want to cripple through media and propaganda the dignity that the Quran and the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, brings by painting Islam in an ugly fashion from across the water. But I'll give this to the believers. Don't worry yourself with that. We know what that is in America as black people that are Muslims because we've been paying that price ever since we got started in 1930. And so whether you, not you personally, but anyone that would not grow up in the nation, um, had no nation of Islam experience, it's okay. We pay the price that any believer in Allah and in the, his prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, we can stand strong in America and be proud of the beauty of our religion, even though we're in a time where they want you to be afraid of it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio and streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. This is Mornings with Mubaraka, and today we are talking to Minister Carlos Muhammad about the history and impact of the Nation of Islam in America. Um, I, that's one of the reasons, I have to say, that's one of the reasons why I thought this would be a um, an educational and important show, because I think it's important to recognize that a lot of the things that happen, whether you agree with the ideology of the nation of Islam as a Muslim or not, they, the, the presence of the nation of Islam and the establishment of it really set a lot of groundwork and precedent for what we're able to do today as Muslims. And even though the fight still continues and we still have discrimination, but a lot of the things, um, in particular the schools, I think a lot of people are not aware that um, the Sister Claire Muhammad schools was actually the first school Islamic school system in America. Um, and was established throughout the United States, not just in one place. And I think that that yeah. that's very important to note. So let's let's uh, let's fast forward just a little bit more to the time. So now there is a split between the nation and Malcolm X um, leaves the nation. He's assassinated. The nation has um, um, then shortly after the um, Elijah Muhammad passes away am i correct with that uh chronology what is it was it was it a year or two after malcolm x was assassinated no malcolm x was assassinated february 21st 1965 the honorable elijah muhammad departed um on february 25th 1975 so it was a 10 it was it was a 10 year yeah very much larger gap uh in the time that the honorable elijah muhammad departed from among us yes okay so and after uh elijah muhammad um part um after elijah muhammad passes away the nation of islam now begins to split again where you have farrakhan leading one sect and then Waris D. Muhammad leading another. And so tell me a little bit about that period of the Nation of Islam, that yeah. split. Well, the at the time of the departure of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, um, Imam W.D. Muhammad, um, who was known then as Wallace uh, D. Muhammad, um, he was named um, after Master Fog Muhammad, even before he was actually born. But it was also noted that Fahd Muhammad um, made special emphasis to uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Sister Clara Muhammad to 
um, take special care of him because he would be essential in helping in the mission. So the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan told us that Minister Wallace, um, as he was known uh, in those days, was, as a young man, was always different. Because notably, too, dear sister, the Arabic language and Quranic Arabic teaching was established in our nation by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the school, University of Islam, which became Sister Clara Muhammad's school system in 1946. So from 1946 to 1975, the, the Arabic language and Quranic studies was an integral part of the development of the children and then the adults. So Imam W.D. Muhammad was already uh, Quranically prepared to evolve the nation into what Master Fahd Muhammad desired as well as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But Imam Muhammad had a confliction. Um, he had a difference of opinion with his father because of deepening his studies, and he he was looking more at Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And in that confliction, he kind of, in our estimation, did not see that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was going through those same shades as the Prophet, but because of our condition, he could not fast-tracked us towards that. He had to take his time with getting us there. So the point I'm making is there's a picture that is out there of uh, Imam W.D. Muhammad as, as, as Minister Wallace with his hand on his father's shoulder offering us the Quran. He has a large Quran in his left hand offering that to us. But in the backdrop is a picture of Father Muhammad on the mantle reading the Holy Quran. And as the nation began to evolve deeper into the understanding of the Quran, deeper into the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, it's kind of like we threw the baby out with the bathwater because in establishing that, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and his teacher in that system was mocked and torn down. When we know that if you want to grow a situation, you don't necessarily have to tear down what got you to where you are to go up to those new levels. Thus, the community began to go through things. And one of the things that became lost in that transition was discipline, was our cleanliness and upkeep. Yes, we were growing in those etiquettes, but the etiquettes that we were growing into was established on cleanliness and adab or discipline. So Minister Farrakhan didn't just outwardly leave uh, from under the leadership of uh, Imam W.D. Muhammad, um, but as time went on, he felt the need to bring back uh, the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because not only did he see us losing something in our uh, discipline and in our aesthetics, but also the connection to the raising of people that we that you just talked about in the 60s and 70s that we had kind of come on the inside and we were no longer concerning ourselves with with dawah or going out and really trying to bring people to islam so he felt that there was a need to bring the teachings of the honorable elijah muhammad back into focus to eventually get us to the point where we would evolve where we would broaden but there's a thing as you know as a Muslim, there are many scholars, there are many teachers, there are many schools of thought, and the schools of thought argue with each other all the time. So 
that what it was established for Allah is all God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. But you know what? Allah knew all, Allah knew all of that. Minister Minister Farhan and Imam Zabibi Muhammad knew that one day though we had gone our separate ways, and though we did though we disagree, one thing that we one thing that we never did in that this in that this show we have about uh, 10 minutes left but (laughs) (laughs) inside of the uh the um, chronology of the nation let's talk about where it is now so one of the 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 interesting things kind of like recent events that um for again from an outside uh, from an outsider Mm -hmm. observation is you know i think for a while people kind of like it seemed that to to other people that uh um, Minister Louis Farrakhan in the nation was kind of like fading a little bit. And then um, um, recently when he called uh, a million people to again come and march and a million people showed up in my mind, I said, well, he definitely established that he has not faded anywhere. He still has the influence. Yeah. He can still call people. He can still, you know, it demand the the he can still demand the the attention and 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 produce the leadership and so in terms of the nation both in its ideology both in its kind of like its its um its community connection to 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 other mm-hmm. muslim community where are we today well let me preface that by a statement that the honorable elijah muhammad makes in his flagship book called message to the black man in america which was published in 1965. he and i'm quoting him right now he said we are not an organization we are a world i teach from the same holy quran that is universally accepted by all muslims as a 100 percent true book and pure book So the point that I lead with that is sometimes the Nation of Islam is looked at as an organization. So when we start talking about is Minister Farrakhan fading, is the Nation of Islam fading, um, the reality is we're, we're not an organization. We are a world, and we are a part of the broader world of Islam, but we have a specific mission first, and that mission first is to talk to our people 
who we see are suffering injustices and are in a hellish condition in 2016. And so we have to go to the people that we're from first with the broader community in view. And so the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is a man that has gone around the world and has established friendships for us with other nations and other points of the world who have a responsibility Islamically uh, to us, though many may disagree uh, with that. So my point is, where are we now? We are right on course because Elijah Muhammad said, and as much as you see what's going on, many things will fade away. Many things will come and go. He said, but the thing that will never go away is the five pillars of Islam. And so that is Quranically real to us because we knew that Muhammad told us that eventually he it is who sends his messenger with the guidance in the true religion, that he will cause it to prevail over all the other religions, though the polytheists may be averse. So we see now Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. It's the fastest growing religion in America. And that could not be the case without the leadership and the work ethic and the wherewithal of this man that is in Chicago, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and all other Muslim leaders, especially from our community, who are making that strong stance to say that we are here. We are just as much as a part of the American fabric as bean pie. Not apple pie, but Absolutely. Bean pie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I know, and just to thank you because time, for what we're trying to talk about, time doesn't allow it. And I pray maybe that we could come back and do a future show and talk about issues, you know, in the broader Muslim world. But I know we're at that point. I absolutely, just want to give you absolutely. A chance to, to close out. But I'm really grateful and thankful that you would even give before, me an outlet. Before to we close this. out, tell us where we can, a couple of things, where, where, mm-hmm. where the listeners and myself can find out more. Do you have a website? Do you have a book to recommend? Yes. Um, yes. So, how can we find out yes. more about the, the history of the nation? You can, you can stay up with us. Um, First and foremost, you can go to NOI.org. That's like nationofislam.org, but the acronym NOI.org. You can also order uh, and look at publications on finalcall.com, finalcall.com. And if you want to learn more about the um, history of the Nation of Islam, you can follow us on Instagram at NOI Archive. NOI Archives on Instagram, and you can follow me at Carlos Muhammad One, C A R L O S M U H A M M A D, and the number one. Um, though that's my personal Twitter page, trust me, it is branded as the Nation of Islam History, and you can also follow us on Periscope at that same Carlos Muhammad One and go back and watch all of our historical presentations and videos that we have there, as well as on YouTube. I'm under Carlos Muhammad on YouTube as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining me. And it was definitely an educational experience. I can't tell you how much that I learned personally. And we certainly have to do this again because uh, uh, 45 minutes is not enough time for sure (laughs) to learn learn all that we need to know and its impact on, on where we are today in America. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much. And I tell you what, I have to return 
the, the, the favor and bring you on our radio show that has been on since 1979 awesome. called the Final Call Radio Broadcast here in Baltimore. And uh, I will definitely keep in touch, inshallah, so that we can continue this relationship and go on down the road and make some progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. If you're just tuning in, then darn it, you just missed it. We were t- we had an awesome interview and you can actually uh, catch the replay as much as you like. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes um, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 on your radio dial and streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. This is Mornings with Mubaraka. I want to encourage you to continue to listen every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. We just spoke to Brother Carlos Muhammad about the history of the Nation of Islam in America. Next week, I am honored to have Belkis Abdul Qadir on my show, who is a national basketball Muslim hijabi treasure, and we're going to talk to her about her journey in the basketball world as well as her fight to get FIFA to allow women to wear hijab while playing on the professional level of basketball and her new documentary, Life After Basketball. So thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Mornings with Mubaraka on WNHHLP 103.5. And I would like to encourage you to be a voice and not an echo.